Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Well, I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. The title of the message today is Christian American. On Friday, we celebrated the birth of our nation. <clears throat> Some celebrated by going to a parade <clears throat> or by going to a fireworks display, a fireworks show. Some of you had fireworks of your own. <clears throat> Others, <clears throat> excuse me, cooked out. Some others just took a day off from work. <clears throat> there were trips planned, a lot of folks at the beach. Of course, as we said earlier, a lot of folks still away from us today <clears throat> because of this time of traveling. Probably more vacationing than in any other week of the summer. And we did all of this <clears throat> in celebration of our nation, even though our nation is struggling today in world stature and and leadership in the world. <clears throat> I have a message today about our duty as citizens. Now I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say because I want to clarify <clears throat> and put in perspective the entire message. Although I did not vote for the current president in either election, this is not a message <clears throat> about bashing the president personally or politically. That is not what this message is about today. <clears throat> I am a Republican, not a Democrat. But I will not try today to persuade any of you to be what I am, other than maybe a believer. Uh, I am <clears throat> not here for the purpose of trying to sway you in your political belief. I do believe that ideology is important. But I also believe that failure to come together on patriotic matters has a, is a huge factor in our current economic and world crisis. <clears throat> I think it's because in great measure that Americans can't get together that we've got some of the struggles going on that are going on in America today. Now as it is <clears throat> with family, Sometimes my country disappoints <clears throat> and even embarrasses me. However, regardless of how much I <clears throat> may get disappointed, I will always love my family and will love them no less. <clears throat> Neither will I give up or fail to love my country. Presidents, senators, and congressmen from both parties have disappointed us. And I'm sure <clears throat> that we would disappoint to some degree if any of us were in those positions. Let me just say this. You can't lead without disappointing somebody. <clears throat> you just can't. It's impossible to lead without disappointing someone. <clears throat> but regardless of disappointment, we're Americans, and we should not be ashamed of it. This is a message that would be considered patriotic, but it's also a message where I want to emphasize the importance <clears throat> of being Christians before we're anything else. Here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that what we put first in our designations is really 
what we are. <clears throat> we are who we say first that we are. Do you understand that? <clears throat> to that end, I am a Christian American. I understand that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution gives me the laws of this country by which <clears throat> I am a free citizen. However, the Word of God and God Himself gives to me the Word of life and eternity by which I am a free human being. The Word of God <clears throat> is the document first in my life. The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are very <clears throat> important to me, but they cannot supersede the Word of God. Now that being said, to properly understand the Word of God is to make us <clears throat> better citizens in regard to the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Romans chapter 13 will show you what I mean. Verse 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those <clears throat> that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and <clears throat> those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have to fear of would you have uh, no fear of the one who is in authority? <clears throat> then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. <clears throat> Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only <clears throat> to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor <clears throat> to whom honor is owed. Now here's a passage of scripture that tells us several things regarding how we live and how we relate to the government over us. Now this is true for every Bible believer. This is true for those in the United States of America. This is true for those in England <clears throat> in various parts of Europe. This is true. The truth of this passage is as old as the Word of God and is as valid as God Himself. <clears throat> Here's what it tells us. First of all, it tells me that we are accountable. Verses 1 and 2 teach us that we are accountable to those in authority over us. Now here's what that means. In our country, that means we are accountable to a system of government. <clears throat> our country is designed in such a way that there is no accountability to any one individual but to a system of government. On the federal level, this system of government has three branches. There is the executive 
branch, there is the legislative branch, and there is the judicial branch of government. And by constitution, they have unique duties with no one being able to govern independently of the others. When two or more of them are working in concert, then agendas are advanced. If two of those branches are working together and in lockstep, they can pretty much override and overrule the third branch. Hardest to overrule would be the Supreme Court, but it could be overruled by making certain changes that would allow that which is not law to become law. The United States, by its name, is made up of individual states in cooperation with the federal government. States have certain rights to govern their own lands and the people who live in those states. In the beginning, the rights of the states had less encroachment, I think it had less encroachment, than the federal government seems to today. In other words, it seems that the federal government is continually and ever presently encroaching upon states' rights. Nevertheless, we are subject to the authority of both state and federal governments. And each of these have a system of laws that have been created, and they have people who enforce those laws. We have sitting in our congregation today people who have been in the legislative branch of government in our state and people who have been in the executive branch of the government of our state. And we have people sitting in our auditorium today who are in the, uh, the position of our state to carry out law uh, and enforce the law. Beyond all of that, we live within a county or a city, and we are <clears throat> under their government. And sometimes city and county governments overlap one another. And like both the states and federal governments, most local governments have an executive, a legislative, and a judicial rule. So that as citizens, we are accountable to three levels of government. We are accountable to the federal, to the state, and to the local government. Now, for some of you, you know this very, very well. For others of you, uh, sometimes it gets muddled and it's hard to, to think through that we are under three distinct levels of government designed to work in harmony with each other. And when they are in conflict with each other, they address those conflicts and hopefully try to address those conflicts. That's the system that we are under. Not telling you that sometimes one branch or one level may not uh, abuse their level or their branch, but I'm telling you that is the system that we are under. We're subject to them. And if we get caught disobeying a law, we can be cited, we can be fined, we can be charged, we can be incarcerated, depending on the level of the infraction and or our response to the authority over us. Now all of that is to say that we are accountable. 
When we think about being accountable to those in authority over us, sometimes that gets very difficult because we get fixed on the person of authority rather than the position of authority. And to be fixed on the person of, the author of authority over the position of authority will give us a, <clears throat> a sense of conflict and whether or not we should obey the authority. That's a mistake. We are in this system of authority that has designed certain uniforms, if you will, that we are to salute. We are not in a dictatorship. We are not in a monarchy. We are in a representative government. We're a representative democracy. But as such, there is still accountability. Now, our text tells us <clears throat> that we are to be accountable to those in authority over us. Now, what does that mean? That means that when the legislative <clears throat> branch of your state sets a speed limit, you're accountable to what the speed limit says. Now, <clears throat> the, the police officers and the highway patrolmen and the sheriff's deputies and various other types of law enforcement are there for the purpose of enforcing the laws that are set. So if we get pulled over by a police officer and we don't like it, we still have to understand that that police officer is wearing a uniform that is described in Romans chapter 13. Now I want to tell you something. I have been stopped by some very nice police officers. And I have been stopped by some police officers who were the reason that there's more horses rear ends than there are horses in this world. <clears throat> I've been stopped by all kinds of police officers. That being said, that badge had no personality. That badge had no uh, tone in its voice. That badge was not a smart aleck. <clears throat> that badge was a badge. And I had an accountability to that badge. There's been a time or two when I have forgotten that accountability. And it wasn't long until the badge was speaking louder than the person of the badge. And I realized, there it goes. Coach Bowden, our dear friend, <clears throat> was the other day telling a, a group of people about how that he had come through a town that had one of those cameras that takes your picture as you come through. And <clears throat> the, he came through with his wife, Ann, and was doing a little under 40 in a 40-mile-an-hour 40 speed zone, and that thing flashed his picture. And it made him really upset, and he told Ann, he said, I wasn't speedy. There's something wrong with that camera. So he, he circled around and he came back through and he deliberately did 30 miles an hour just to make sure that he was within the speed limit. And that thing flashed his picture again. Now, Coach Bowden is an older guy, but older guys can get a little upset too. And it made him really mad. He said, I'm going to do this again. And he, came, he circled around. He came by 30 miles an hour. 
And that thing flashed his picture again. And he complained all the way home to Ann about it. Just couldn't believe what had happened. And a week later, sure enough, he got in the mail three tickets for not wearing his seatbelt. <clears throat> That's just a story Coach Bowden likes to tell, but it makes the point. <clears throat> Most of us do not have run-ins with the law because if we obey the law, that kind of trouble is avoidable. Verse 3, therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Now skip down to verse 6. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Now, I'm not a tax protester. That being said, I don't like taxes, and I don't like the way that, that we are taxed, or some of the ways that we are taxed, or the ways that taxes are spent. I'm of the belief that having the ability to spend money you do not have, the responsibility to raise, <clears throat> can lead to irresponsible spending. I think that when we spend the money that we're responsible to raise, we spend it better than if we spend money that we're not responsible to raise. If I ran the circus, we would cut a lot of programs out of government if I could get it done. <clears throat> and we would shake loose some dead weight that's being paid by government if I could get it done. I don't like taxes the way we're taxed. I don't like taxes being added on as products move along. I really don't. I don't like taxes being, uh, uh, I don't like taxing the materials that are used <clears throat> to make furniture and then taxing the store that sells the furniture that is made <clears throat> and then taxing the individual that buys the furniture when the furniture is sold and probably other taxes that I don't know about. <clears throat> I don't like that tax upon tax upon tax upon tax. That being said, I cannot like it all I want to, but I still must pay the taxes. There's a difference <clears throat> between avoiding taxes and evading taxes. The difference is about three to five years. <clears throat> You can avoid taxes to the best of your ability. But when you begin to evade <clears throat> taxes, somebody's going to come after you because that's punishable by the law. And you can avoid that punishment <clears throat> by obeying the law. I will tell you that <clears throat> some of the consequences of our being accountable are avoidable if we <clears throat> obey the law. So then, as Christian Americans, we are to be accountable <clears throat> to the authority over us and avoid conflict with the law. Now there's another thing given to the Romans. This is even harder to take in. We should see the leadership of government as applaudable. By the way, I worked very, very hard for all of these things to start with an A. <clears throat> I would appreciate it if you would ooh and ah when these points uh, <clears throat> come up. 
It's applaudable. This certainly does not mean that we applaud every decision. But it does mean that we appreciate the positions held by those in authority. In other words, as I said earlier, I think I said earlier, we salute the uniform. We do not salute the person inside the uniform. Going back to verse 6. For because of this, you have always, you always pay taxes for authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Now, we simply treat with respect those who are in positions of respect. That is our duty as Christian Americans. We respect those in authority. If you've ever been in a courtroom, how many of you have ever been in a courtroom? Would you raise your hand? Most people, for one reason or another, have been in a courtroom. If you've been in a courtroom, you know that you speak respectfully to the judge. You always speak with respect. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, Your Honor. No, Your Honor. Yes, judge. No, judge. Are appropriate ways to address the magistrate. And most judges have a preferred way to be addressed. And we're wise to find out what is the preferred way. We're wise to figure that out. If you don't address them that way, if you don't show them honor that they are due, it will cost you. It will always cost you. It does not pay to aggravate the judge. For every person in authority over us, we treat them in this manner. Now, it's not always easy, as I've already stated, but it is the right thing to do. Again, it is saluting the uniform. And if you don't think you can do that, the best way, uh, if you don't think that you can do that, the best thing to do is to avoid confrontation altogether. Don't put yourself in the position. Just don't do it. Now, I've already said something about speed limits. Most of us know at what level they will stop you on the interstate. In fact, most police officers will tell you. I have a son who is a police officer. He will say, Dad, the rule of thumb is this. Now, it doesn't mean that every uh, police officer, highway patrolman, or sheriff's deputy holds that rule of thumb, but most would and most do. But we have to do our best, so we have to do our best to avoid the kind of confrontations that I'm talking about. If if you don't want your electricity turned off, what's the best thing to do? Pay your electrical bill, right? If you don't want your car repossessed, excuse me, pay your car payment. It's very simple. Now, here's the question. What happens when there is an unavoidable confrontation. What happens 
when there is a direct conflict between who I am as a believer and who I am as a citizen. Let me give you a couple of, jar your memory a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And do you remember that they refused to bow down before an image that, image that was established by King Nebuchadnezzar? <clears throat> what happened to them? They were thrown into a furnace of fire, <clears throat> but they still did not obey the king's decree. <clears throat> Here's what they said. <clears throat> Even though this means that I'm going to get thrown into the furnace of fire, I will choose <clears throat> the furnace of fire over bowing to the image <clears throat> that's set up by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so they were thrown in. There was a, a guy named Daniel who remained faithful to pray <clears throat> to the true and living God, even though King Darius had decreed that no one would ask anything <clears throat> before asking him. And if they did, they would be thrown into a den of lions. Do you remember that story from the Old Testament? Now, do you think those were just Sunday school stories? Do you think those things really happened? <clears throat> they really happened because they're Sunday school stories. They really happened. They really did. Now, the question is this. <clears throat> As Christian Americans, how are we to understand this? How <clears throat> do we make decisions about obeying the law? Now, I want you to listen very carefully to this. <clears throat> God's Word has shown us that laws are appraisable. While those who <clears throat> enforce the laws are applaudable, laws are appraisable. Let me give you this from the New Testament, Acts chapter 5 and verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. <clears throat> but Peter, excuse me. <clears throat> but Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers <clears throat> raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Now here's what that says. <clears throat> that says that the law that was placed before them was appraisable in accordance <clears throat> to the Word of God <clears throat> that they lived by and to the God that they loved. You say, well, I don't believe that that's applicable today. <clears throat> well, look, there have been times, <clears throat> and there are still times, when the laws of God are greater than the laws <clears throat> of men. How many of you know who that is in that picture right there? Would you raise your hand? <clears throat> That's Miriam Ibrahim. She is the young mother in Sudan who refused to renounce her Christian faith in, the Mus in a Muslim country. <clears throat> she is a current events example. There are other examples. Hundreds and thousands of men and women who found that their faith in Christ would not allow them to obey certain laws of the land <clears throat> in which they live. And for this, they said, as Simon Peter, 
we must obey God rather than men. Now, let me explain that a little bit. There must be a sense of caution in playing loose with the commands of God. There are times when we feel so strongly about something that we claim this is a conviction from God, but there is no biblical backing to our so-called conviction from God. There are a lot of people who stand on principle when they think they're standing on the Word of God. Let me give you an example. If we set out to build a youth building, at this church and the city opposed us and let me just say this that we may someday set out to build a youth building and it's almost certain that we'll have some trouble with permitting from the city of Tallahassee it's almost certain that we will if we had opposition from the city we could and we would use every resource available to us to bring it about. If the city said, you're not going to do it. There are a lot of resources that we can do. What do we need to change in order to be able to do it? Well, you're just not going to do it. Uh, Is there a way that we can appeal to the uh, city commission in order to be able to do it? Well, you can appeal, but you're not going to do it. And we set out and we appeal to the city commission. Well, let's say the city commission turns us down. Well, let's say that we believe that we have a right to do it. So what we do is we hire some attorneys and we go to court and and we sue the city of Tallahassee. By the way, this no longer is shown in Tallahassee. We're no longer on the air in Tallahassee and we're not filming uh, today for this program to air anyway. So don't get too shook up, all right? Uh, <clears throat> but if, if we decided that we're, we're just going to build and <clears throat> we get a team of lawyers and, uh, and, and we go after them and, <clears throat> and, and we get turned down and we appeal and on and on and on it goes. Now, <clears throat> look, we can do everything that we can possibly do to try and get the building permit and build that building. And then <clears throat> we could say this. God told me to build that building. And then we set out to build a building based on God telling us that we built, set out, uh, we're told to build a building. Now let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to shut down the building, shut down the, the place. They're going to bring every force of law that they could possibly bring to keep us from building that building because they said, <clears throat> you can't build that building. Now listen very carefully. That is not covered under Acts chapter 5. You say, but they would be stopping us from worshiping. They would be stopping us from doing youth ministry. Nope. Now I don't think that they should stop us from building a building. And I think we ought to use every resource and all that kind of thing. But they wouldn't be stopping us from worshiping. There are a lot of places in the world today that are worshiping that do not have a nice air-conditioned building like this. 
<clears throat> there are a lot of places today that have great youth ministries that do not have great buildings. <clears throat> there are a lot of places today doing God's work without all that we have here <clears throat> to do God's work. However, if <clears throat> we were preaching the Word of God and the city of Tallahassee came and they said to me, <clears throat> now listen carefully. In order for you to be politically correct, you have to preach from the Koran because we're going to be sensitive to the Muslim population in our city. And <clears throat> having this Bible thing that you just stick to and only preaching from the Bible, you've done it too long and we've got to level this thing out <clears throat> and it's got to be different and you've got to go from the Quran. Now here's what Acts chapter 5 basically is saying. The very next Sunday morning after that edict there would be another message from the Word of God, the Bible. <clears throat> Not from the Quran. Now why? Because we obey God rather than men. <clears throat> Do you understand that? It's the same thing as bowing down to a graven image. It's the same thing as being told you cannot pray. <clears throat> These are biblical mandates. There are a lot of things that I don't like that are done to me that I do not necessarily have a <clears throat> biblical mandate for. But we must understand the, the power that we have as Christian Americans. That's why I say I'm a Christian American. <clears throat> if, if, if one of you becomes one of you ladies become pregnant and the government says to you I believe as they do in China that you can't have more than one child <clears throat> so you must abort that child then here's where you are you are in a position of saying I must obey God rather than man <clears throat> because it's a biblical thing are you, are you getting all of this? It's, it's not of a, hey, I ought to have the right to do this. It's a biblical thing. It, it's, it's very simple. There are things that we would fuss about that we wouldn't fight about. There are things that we would fight about that we wouldn't die for. But as believers, there ought to be things that we would die for. <clears throat> there ought to be things that we would say, I am a Christian before I'm anything else. And this is one of those marks in my life. I'm not going to die over a building permit. Do you understand? <clears throat> I'm not going to do that. The other day we had a guy from the city that came by and, <clears throat> and, and he went to one of our offices and, and he said, uh, your signs out front are blinking and scrolling and doing things against city ordinance and if you don't <clears throat> change that immediately, I'm going to bring back a court order this afternoon and I am going to serve that court order on you. Immediately I was contacted by the office. And I said, that person is not going to serve a court order on us. That person can't get a court order. That person, et cetera, et cetera. I said, hang on. So I called the office from which the person originated. And I spoke to the supervisor to whom this person speaks. And I said, you had a certain person that came by our place today. Here's what this person said. And I said what the person said. And <clears throat> the supervisor was a lady. 
And, and uh, she said, he did not say that. I said, he did say that. And I said, he can't uh, get a court order this afternoon. She said, he can't get a court order at all. <clears throat> she said, he was going to write you uh, a noncompliance citation. And I said, well, look, we want to comply with you. But my IT guy is on a missions trip. And so I can't, he can't do this by this afternoon. He'll be back in the office on Monday. Can this last till Monday? She said, absolutely it can. And I said, and can you tell us what it's supposed to do or not do? And she said, absolutely I can. And I said, and by the way, we've had those signed up there for over 20 years. It must be that somebody, she said, you don't even have to say it. Somebody's got their hackles up. I said, yeah, this is the second time they've, they've called on this. And I said, well, we want to obey. And she said, and by the way, so-and-so, the guy that came out that threatened the court order and, and pulled his britches up and did that kind of thing. <clears throat> she said, he'll never be out there again. Now, there's your, for instance, where I didn't like what was said, but because of the government in which we live, there was recourse. Now, had this woman said the same thing, I'm sure that she has a boss and that he has a boss. But at some point, they may have had to, we may have had to turn those signs off. I, there's, I, I, I couldn't say, bless God, it's written in the Word that I can have a scrolling sign and tell about vacation, a Bible school. <clears throat> However, because of where we live and the, the joys and the pleasantries of this country, there's a way to, to get to those things. Do you understand that? Now, let's go to the last thing. Because we're privileged to live in the United States, the performance and acceptability of those in authority over us is accessible. Fortunately, we have access to our government. Don't forget how our government was formed. We are a representative government, a government of the people, by the people, for the people. We can make changes in government we do not like. But first, there is this need. We must be penitent. We've got to be sorry for whatever extent we have been wrong as a nation. Second Chronicles 7:14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We have to start with the admission of who we are and where we are and how we got here. Every one of us have a part to play in the current state of our nation. Every one of us have a part to play in the state of our nation. To what degree you or I have been selfish and sinful and secular, we must <clears throat> repent as this verse tells us to do. And we must be prayerful. We're not just <clears throat> prayerful for our own sins and the sins of our nation. We are to pray for those in authority over us, even those we do not like and did not vote for. <clears throat> pray for the uniform. Not the person in the uniform, although you can pray for the person in the uniform. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, first of all, then I urge 
that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high places, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. There are many other ways that our government is accessible to us, but let me just mention one more, and that is political. Our government is available to us politically. This message is because of the Independence Day we have just celebrated. It's a very important day in our lives as Americans. As you know, and I've referred to this often, I've titled this Christian American based on the premise that we are what we state first. I've seen a weakening of the church in general. There's, There's been a drifting from the principles of our freedom. That should not be. Our Christianity should bolster our country, not be subject to its condition. I want to close with a statement that I wrote. I actually wrote this statement before I wrote the message. I sat down to write the message. I wrote this closing statement. Then I wrote the message. It's on Facebook on my page if you're interested in it. I am a Christian American. No one presidency, term of Congress or Senate, nor will any rotation of the Supreme Court preserve or destroy our country. All of these can do serious good or damage. But if America stands or falls, it will be because of you and me. Those who become discouraged, if not depressed, over the state of our Union damaged this United States in concert with wickedness in high places. A weaker America is our fault. Our fault for abdicating the impact of Christianity on our nation. A weaker America is our fault for not campaigning and voting for those who would hold the word of God sacred and the will of God paramount in their decision making. It's our fault. Do I think that we've been weakened by selfish people who consider the next election over the next generation? Yes, I do. Do I think that we've been weakened by parents who have made too many excuses for keeping their families out of church on the Lord's Day? Yes, I do. Do I think that we've been weakened by pastors who are more concerned about drawing a crowd than drawing a line biblically and morally? Yes, I do. Do I think we've been weakened by a Hollywood agenda and news media bias that is both corrupt and hypocritical? Yes, I do. Do I think that we've abdicated the ethics of America by being afraid to speak as God's Word speaks about matters of immorality and perversion? Yes, I do. Do I think of America as less today than when I was a child? No, I don't. We are still America, the greatest nation in the world. Our country still states, in God we trust, and our Pledge of Allegiance still says, one nation under God. We have the smartest people, the best ideas, the greatest resources, and most of all, the best understanding of what government ought to be. Just because China has mastered cloning our technology, and radical Islam has mastered intimidation, just because Russia has a president who goes around without his shirt, 
and we draw red lines not enforced does not mean that the United States of America is not the greatest nation in history. I am not a Euro-American. I am not a Republican-American. A conservative American or a senior citizen. While I'm each of these, I'm an American before I'm any of these. However, I am a Christian American. And as such, have beliefs in America impacted and governed in my faith in the true and living God and dependency on His Word. I refuse to be depressed about our nation. I refuse to give up. I refuse to allow political theater to push me out of the voters booth. I refuse to stop praying for our nation. I refuse to stop believing that we have men and women who can lead us out of this mire by the guiding hand of God. America will not be great again. It is great now. No national embarrassment or harsh tax can stop God from working in our country if you and I will humble ourselves and pray. We must pray as Christian Americans and live in ways that God can bless. President Abraham Lincoln said this when he assumed leadership over a nation on the brink of civil war. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too selfish to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to God that made us, it behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. I am a Christian American, and I believe that many of you are too. And I pray that there will be a groundswell not of political strength, but of moral strength in our country and Christian strength in our country, that will take care of everything else. Thank God that I was born on March the 6th, 1950, in a little town called Gallatin, Tennessee, in the United States of America. It has made a huge difference in who I am, who I've always been, and what I hope to be. But nothing has made a greater difference than what happened to me when I was eight years old and Jesus Christ became my personal Savior and Lord. And thus today, I'm honored to be a Christian. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. 
Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.